Welcome to the Post-COVID Church Podcast with your host, Stuart Kellogg. Welcome and thank you for listening to the Post-COVID Church Podcast. My guest, Reverend Percy McRae, Jr., Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and our focus today, the emotional impact of the pandemic and how the post-COVID church can stand out by leaning in and helping the hurting. Reverend McRae has been pastoring for almost 30 years, more than two decades in cancer care ministry. He's a member of the U.S. Chaplain Association, hosts a popular podcast, Health, Hope, and Inspiration. He's married with four children. Welcome, Reverend McRae, to the post-COVID church podcast. Hello, my friend. How are you? Thank you for having me. God bless you and your audience. Thank you. You've been counseling for decades. Uh, Have you ever seen anything like this last year? No, I have not. It's interesting that prior to uh, the COVID season that we're in, uh, cancer was considered, you know, the malady of our day. And then, of course, COVID showed up and it's, it's a game changer, right? We've, we've not seen anything or experienced anything that has had such a wide range of impact and, uh, and challenges. So it's, it's been uh, something to behold for sure. What have you seen change when it comes to counseling? And I know you focus on cancer care, but just in general, what have you seen changed in counseling because of the pandemic? Well, you know, it's, it's just like everything else. Counseling and the dynamics of counseling has changed because of obviously the lack of direct interpersonal engagement. And I think that and I'm sure that uh, there will be tons of research uh, books that will be written after the fact that'll, that'll help us to understand that or better understand how we all have on some level suffered as a result of that because we are created to be communal creatures. You know, everything about who we are from even with regard to the word of God and, and the idea of church and fellowship and congregating and getting together. We're social creatures, we're social animals. And so from a counseling perspective, uh, I think that there has been some detriment and, and loss of dynamic uh, because of the inability to really engage on a face-to-face personal level. So with that being said, then what comes out of that which is also uh, quite frankly, a dynamic with regard to cancer care, which again is my space. Um, I was just reading some information today that uh, we still have not really been able to register the impact of, because of that, people who have not gone in to do regular mammograms and screenings and follow up, uh, will we see a a incidence of rise of advanced cancer uh, diagnosis because uh, that process was basically brought to a screeching halt and people stayed at home and they couldn't get out. So, you know, there's a lot of implications with regard to the emotional and dare I say physical manifestation of of what COVID has done to us mentally, emotionally, and physically. And we'll talk in a little bit about um, what you think the church can do. I wanted to, to mention first, I've seen several surveys, a lot of them showing Uh, the impact of the pandemic on mental health, uh, especially on the young. Um, uh, For example, a recent one, I saw doubling of overdoses of teenagers, about the same increase for anxiety Hmm. disorders. I've got to believe that doesn't surprise you. No, not at all. Because at the end of the day, when when you take that social engagement dynamic and 
And there's other numbers and research that, that, that talks about the dynamic of, of uh, marriages, uh, stress and anxiety because people are spending more time together than, than normal, how that has now impacted possibly relationships where people have kind of grown weary and tired of seeing each other and being in each other's space over an extended period of time. Uh, I'm not surprised because when we sit and think about it, particularly in this current day and age, we are, you know, we have a very busy, we're, we're engaged, we go to the health club, you take the kids to school, you know, we go to the market. You know, when, when you took all of that off of the table, it forced people to go inward. And I'm not sure that we have been conditioned on how to manage our, 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 our sense of well-being, our engagement with others, with that type of compressed, uh, isolated, you know, uh, uh, engagement where we couldn't get out and basically uh, on some levels uh, relieve some tension and some stress, uh, clear our head, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that there's a whole host of dynamics that, you know, at the end of the day, we probably should not and cannot be really terribly surprised about. My guest, Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. What about faith? Uh, should that not... Um, be a mitigating factor to help in those situations? Or is that one of the issues is that the folks without that social dynamic have nothing else and so therefore become depressed or anxious? This is a great question. And I've given a lot of thought to this. And I think that quite frankly, um, we are as a, the faith community is trying to wrestle and come to terms with the reality of that versus the philosophy of that. And um, because obviously church engagement and congregation interaction also was cut off, compromised, as we well know, and now has become highly politicized of whether we should keep churches open, should we close churches, what does that mean, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think that the, the church community and the faith community is now having to come to terms with uh, how... Uh, how invested were we in terms of really allowing our intrinsic relationship with God, which is very personal and very, uh, it should be very one-on-one, -on -one, how much of that was contingent upon communal engagement and activity, a la uh, sitting in our churches, uh, singing in the choir, fellowshipping with other people of like-minded faith, uh, listening to our favorite preacher and teacher in person, I think that we're having to reevaluate um, what was our, how did we emphasize the development our faith, the, the development of our faith, and 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 did it really have a, a a rooting inside of us that would allow us not to necessarily depend upon engagement with others to still have a sense of connection with God? I think that we're really wrestling as I listen to all of. Uh, the talking heads in that space who have large mega churches and who've been pastoring a very long time. I hear various different schools of thought of what that should or should not mean. And I don't think that we have a real sense of insight and understanding of that at this point, but it is causing us to question and reevaluate the role of our faith in lieu of or, or lack thereof of being able to personally engage with other people of faith and what does that really mean to our intrinsic value of our faith? And let's talk about 
as you said, leaders are wrestling with it, but the fact is the church can have an impact on its own members and in the community. When it comes to mental health, what can the post-COVID church do better um, hmm. to help the community, including its own, um, in well, mental health? Yeah, it, it dovetails in, into the previous point. I think that the, the local church is actually wrestling with that right now. Uh, clearly, what many churches are attempting to do is, is, to, is to create um, outdoor, controlled, as much as possible, engagement with members of their community doing drive-by, for example, drive-by food uh, drives where they're still making contact with, with members of their church or their community, but they're, you know, they, they drive by, they kind of see uh, uh, the pastor or, and then they, they, or they'll do parking lot type of ministry. Uh, I know some churches have actually uh, rented or bought old uh, drive-in movie theaters to try to create some type of communal engagement, but still be in a controlled space and environment. So I think that the local church is trying to figure that out. They're trying to become very creative in ways that what can we do to help with, again, the mental dynamic of connection, community, and engagement. I don't think that there is any real clear answers at this point. Uh, obviously, what we're doing right now is, you know, we're communicating with each other via Zoom and, and all of the online technology of uh, creating maybe small groups or small groups can get together online and maybe engage and talk with each other, decompress, uh, share their anxieties and, and et cetera. But I, at the end of the day, we are being challenged to do something that we've never had to do. And that is how do we function uh, and maintain a holistic, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual grounding without necessarily getting close with other people on a consistent and regular basis and I have to be honest with you, I don't think that we've figured that out yet. We're not sure what we are supposed to do or how or what will be effective in going forward. So those are some of the things that I think that can be done, are being done, and we'll continue to see uh, what else creatively we, we may consider doing. But again, until we're, we're able to feel secure, uh, obviously in direct engagement one with another, uh, I think that we are far past the place where for some who considered COVID to be ho a hoax and not true or genuine, uh, I think many of us are far beyond the place because we now know of loved ones, uh, many people of faith, many leaders of our faith communities who have contracted COVID and now have died of COVID. Uh, what comes top of mind right now, most recently is uh, Dr. Casey Price uh, of uh, Los Angeles, California, uh, one of the mega church uh, pastors he died two weeks ago as a result of COVID-19. It is sending a new reality of a wake-up call that we need to at least consider and take this serious on some level because there are some who are contracting this and dying. So now, how do we maneuver and engage with each other? I think that those are still some very open-ended prospects, but those are some things that I think are being done that people can consider to do. Uh, I know there are people who are meeting uh, in parks where they're socially distancing one with another uh, in small groups. So those are some things that, you know, maybe making phone calls, doing uh, wellness check-ins uh, on loved ones or, or parishioners uh, is another way to do that, just to have a more personal 
uh, kind of contact that is not that doesn't appear to be so distanced, but still yet is distanced. It seems as if the churches that um, have done the best job are those that have uh, prioritized that what I call hyper connection, uh, even if it's the old fashioned phone. Right. And, and that's what it is. And I guess the other thing that you're saying is once the pandemic is behind us, things are in the new normal. Uh, the church should not forget mental health as an issue. <laughs> well, one of the things that I think that has become very clear, and you're right, that's that's that was one of the areas that the faith community has not done a very good job with is addressing the dynamic of mental health. Uh, I know with regard to the uh, cultural orientation and background that I come from specifically, uh, very little was ever discussed about mental health from a faith-based perspective. It was always within the context of, hey, use your faith. We're going to pray this away, you know, get in the word, you know, make sure that, you know, you, you know, you have good gospel music going on to kind of help counteract all of that. And the reality is, is that you're exactly right. If nothing else, COVID has really forced us to actually reinvest in this idea of mental wellness, mental health, that is a reality for us. It's interesting that I, I heard, um, I believe it was Charles Stanley's son uh, who did an interview who talked about this very dynamic. And, and, and his response was, he said that he is challenging himself as an example and his leadership not to think about uh, how we can get back to normal when we get on the other side of COVID-19. He said, but this gives us an opportunity to rethink doing something completely different with how we do church and how we reach people and how we try to attend to their needs. He said, this is an opportunity to reset our thought process and how we approach ministry so that we don't just slap back into, let's just do what we were comfortable this situation has given us an opportunity to rethink, reset, and do something different. And part of that is with regard to the exact point that you just made. My guest, Reverend Percy McRae, whose career is spent counseling. And I want to get a little personal here for the folks listening. Uh, what can someone do when they see someone else, and I'm not, not talking a psychotic episode or someone threatening to kill themselves, but just someone who's going through an anxious time, who's depressed, being there is big, but anything else you can talk about that uh, people can do to help others get through and be stronger mentally? Yeah, well, we know uh, depression and, and all that is associated with it, you know, is uh, connected to stress, is connected to being overwhelmed. In many cases, it's connected to fears, phobias, that you know, when you start digging into the, the psyche of, of one's uh, sense of mental wellness is beginning to try to understand what are some of the drivers that is breaking down within that school of thought. What is causing fear inside of, what are people fearful of? What, what are some of their phobias? Uh, and, and when we begin to try to affiliate and associate it back to some kind of core theological applications, uh, some things to really be mindful of is trying to help people to unpack uh, a sense of value and worth. Uh, I call it, when, when I read the synoptic gospels of Jesus Christ, what Jesus did very well with the lowliest of those that he affiliated with, which of course were the, the, 
the that was the majority of people that he spent most of his ministry with was the the least of them of his era is that he introduced them or helped bring them into what I call the MVP idea, meaning, value, and purpose. And, you know, like the woman at the well, it's a great story if you just break it down socially, uh, ethnically, uh, uh, politically, if you want, where he really delved into what were the real issues that this woman was struggling with. And when he finished going through his discourse of conversation with her, he helped to invite her and bring her back to a place of meaning, value, and purpose. I call it the MVP program. We use that in baseball and in our professional sports. Who's the MVP? Well, when we can help people unpack and get through some of the, 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 the sludge inside of their consciousness from an experience perspective, things that were said or done to them, and then reintroduce them back to the idea of how can we help them find meaning and value and purpose, I have found that that has really helped many people to work through the issues of stress, fear, depression, and et cetera, et cetera, that then gives them a new internalized uh, reformation of thought about themselves. Most people are just struggling with feeling less than and not valued uh, in terms of the world around them, uh, family and friends, that they said they have they have no sense of worth. And of course, we we measure that from a worldly perspective very differently than how God does and how Jesus facilitated that school of thought. First and foremost, he introduced the concept of that we are members of the kingdom of God. And when we think about kingdom mentality and kingdom thought, it helps us to understand that the Bible says that we are a peculiar people, that we are a royal priesthood, you know, we are a holy nation, that it, it helps to transfix one's thinking that I'm not just, you know, somebody trying to get by in life. I'm, I'm associated with, with, with the royalty of God's majesty, and I'm in his kingdom. That helps again to be, give us the ability to tap into, now, what is my role in that? Uh, how do I play a part in that? I know for me, uh, at the age of about 28 years old, when I was floundering and still very unsure about what I was supposed to do in life, I came to terms with the fact that I'm connected to the kingdom of God and that there is something very specific and unique uh, assigned to me and, and, and ingrained in my personage that I'm supposed to do for the kingdom as a representative of the kingdom. Well, that changed my mental status that I was just some guy bouncing around trying to work and make a living and pay my bills, it, it transfixed my thinking into a whole different psyche that then helped me work through my insecurities, my fears, my phobias, my disappointments. Uh, and, and that helped to decrease my anxiety. And that helped to fight off the spirit of depression that would try to come. Because I think the spirit of depression, we all have to kind of ward that off from time to time when we don't, when life doesn't produce for us what we think or feel, or we feel like that we kind of fell off the wagon or we've lost our way. So there, there's a tendency to kind of slide down this dark path. And most people just simply have not been able to understand how to cope through that. Well, when, when a person is attached back to a sense of, of meaning, value, and purpose, a lot can then be counteracted with that kind of negative dynamic that begins to emotionally and psychologically drive us into a place of feeling 
that we have no value. Everyone wants value. Everyone wants to feel value and be valued at the end of the day, first starting with themselves. So it's the reason why the, uh, the question was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, there's only two, love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and might. And he said, love your neighbor or your brother as you love yourself. Getting people to fall back in love with themselves, not to worship themselves, not to be ego-driven, but there is something invested in us that will allow us to have meaning and value and purpose, and we can contribute back to the world accordingly. We are made in the image of God. That's a image and the likeness of God. How can folks get in touch with you? Uh, you can reach out to me at uh, my direct email is percy, P-E-R-C-Y dot McCray, M-C-C-R-A-Y at C as in cat, T as in Tom, C as in cat, A as in apple, C-T-C-A dash hope.com. Again, percy dot McCray at C-T-C-A dash hope.com. My guest, Reverend Percy McRae Jr., Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America, a longtime counselor. Thank you for being part of the Post-COVID Church Podcast. Thank you, Stuart. Bless you and your audience. And uh, we're still believing that the best is yet to come. And so until then, we've got work to do. So let's keep chopping the wood, my friend. Love it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Post-COVID Church Podcast, our mission at the Post-COVID Church, helping the church plan and serve the post-pandemic world. I'm Stuart Kellogg. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Post-COVID Church Podcast. You can find much more at the Post-COVID Church group on Facebook or on the website, thepostcovidchurch.com.